0: Hebrews chapter twelve, verse number sixteen. Lest there be any fornicators or profane person as Esau for one morsel of meal sold his birthright. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Now, let's, let's get a hold of this. Get a hold of this last part of that verse. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, that, that scares me. That, that scares me. And I think a lot of Christians, it needs to look at that and read that and get really understanding that, that it scares me. So let's pray. Father, I come before you, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your mercy and grace and love, Father. We just ask you to help us and touch us tonight, Lord. Help us to get into your word in the way you would own us to have into it. Let us see the things that we need to see in it. And, Father, we'll praise you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. the Bible said that Esau got such, to a, such a place that even when he broke down with tears and crying, and, you know, tears from his eyes, trying to repent to God, he found no place to repent. The way I, the way I see it, there is a line that you can cross and it will be too late. There's a line that you can cross with God that there's no place of repentance. Spiritually speaking, there is a clock ticking. And this clock is in line with the word of God. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus could come back at any time. The stage is set. All the prophecies been fulfilled. Everything has been said and done and we're just waiting for God to say to his son go get my children. Yeah. And hear me and hear me well when Jesus comes back. It's too late to cry. It's too late to cry. Bible says Esau was a profane man, he was a sinful man in his behavior. He sold his birthright. You know the story. The inheritance and blessings that he should have gotten. But he sold it out of thinking that he would have enough time to get it back. He sold it for a bowl of soup. He thought he could get it back. He thought he could get it back again later in time. He sold what only God could give him. And he sought repentance. With tears, but it was too late. Too late. I I I think to myself, man. There's the things that maybe we should be repentant about, and we don't. And there come a time it's too late. It's too late to cry when you squander your days. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. The day that you were born and I were born, we started the process of dying. And there's only a certain amount of days deposited into our life. Every day you wake up is another day taken out of that deposit that you have. Every time you stretch your arms and take a deep breath, when you wake up in the morning, another day is gone from that deposit. And only God knows how many days that you have in your bank account. God only knows how many days left there. Don't be fooled to think that you're going to live forever. I've had people say, well, I'm never going to die. <laughs> Let me know when you do. The devil will come up to you and tell you, don't, don't try to get right with God today. Don't try to get right with things today. Just wait. you have another day. That's a lie. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. When you squander your days, it's too late to cry. It's too late to cry when you sever your conscience. First Timothy speaking lies and hypocrisies and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Have you ever met a person from some reason or another, it seems like they can live however they want to, do whatever they want to, whenever they want to, and and they have no convictions about anything. Nothing moves them. They they, they just do what they want to do, and it seems like they they don't care. And, And they used to be a moral person. They used to have convictions. But now do whatever they want to do, how they want to do that. Because their conscience has been seared. Listen, you better take note when the Holy Ghost starts moving on you. When the Holy Ghost starts speaking to you and what God wants them to tell you, and God convicts you, because you can push God away so many times to the point your conscience is severed. Seared with a hot iron. There's so many that's heard preaching from the preachers, they preach in the pulpit about get right, get right with God, but yet they push God away too many times, and God stops dealing with them. Their conscience. Seared. You keep pushing against God and God's word. It would be too late to cry when your conscience is seared with a hot iron. After the Spirit starts, Cease to strive with you, When you're sitting in the church and the Holy Ghost is moving And begins to deal with you, The devil will come to tell you, uh, Wait, you'll have another day. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee that God will pass by your way again. There's no guarantee you know what God's going to do in your lifespan. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while ye may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So many push him away. Don't want anything to do with him. Living that life of immorality. Living the way they want to live and don't give a second thought about what God can do in their lives. There's only so much that God will do in your life if you let him. But when you push him away and he stops drawing you towards him, you've got a problem. The Bible says, And my spirit shall not strive with man. We're not always striving this. I don't want to get to the place where I just keep pushing God away, and God quit dealing with me. God's dealing with you on a point or something. You maybe ought to just say, God, I I need to move. I need to do this. I need to do that for you. When God starts speaking to you and moving in your life, that means God is still dealing with you. But if you come to church and there's no conviction about the sin that you're in or what you're doing in your life outside of the church, then your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. I was preaching for a revival down in Georgia for a friend of mine, preached stuff for a few years, every year in October. And the first year I went there, we went to, I went there, and he says, come on with me, let's go out. And we go out, and we go and invite people to church, knock on doors, the people he knew and everything, trying to get them to come to church. And he took me to this man, and I was, we were standing there talking to him, and the looked at me and said, man, you ought to hear him sing. I said, does he sing? He said, oh, he's sings." So I asked him, I said, will not you come to church and sing for us? He said, oh, okay, okay. So we went on. We had church that night, and there come him through the door. He's a big old tall lanky guy wearing his blue jeans and his cowboy shirt and everything. And uh, I, I, I thought maybe he just had one of those voices. But uh, he got up and sang, and I can't remember his name for saving my life. He got up and sang, and he sung that song, Long Black Train. And and let me say, when that boy starts singing that song, there's a long black train, chills went up my spine. And the whole time, we was there for a the whole week. I was there for a the whole entire week. And he would come and he sang and, and just moving. And, and, and at the end of the service, I always asked, uh, is anybody in here that's lost and undone and needs to get right with God? Uh, uh, raise your hand. He would raise his hand. But he wouldn't come to the altar. Every night, the same thing. Every night, the same thing. That Sunday morning when I was there, I was going to leave Sunday afternoon going back home. He came to the altar. I prayed with him. I asked him, are you right with God? He says, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my life. A lot of stuff going on in my life. I I don't know if I can get right with God. I said, oh, you can get right with God. God is always available. So we exchanged words, and I went on home. The next year, I went back Here, There he is, sitting in church. I asked my brother, how's he doing? He says, same thing. He knew you was coming back for revival, so that's when he came back to church. And every year, I'd go up there, and every year, I'd go to him, and, he sang, and he sang that song. I mean, it put chills on my spine. Then one year, I went up. He wasn't there. So, where's he at? So he passed away. How did he pass away? Drunk himself to death with liquor in his house. His, his conscience was so uh, severed and seared with God, with what would happen in his life in the past, that he could not come and make it right with God. All he had to do is repent. But he chose to keep that heart in his life. Now he's seeing that long black train coming. Let's, let's talk about Christian people in church. They're, they're Christians as God has given them things and, and, and birth things in their life. In their hearts. There's Christians that God has given them talents and abilities, it has given them so many tools that God could use in their life. because like Esau sold his, his right, they became an ineffective Christian. I'm not saying that God don't love them, I'm just saying they're ineffective. They're not effective in their Christian walk, but they could do so much more. The Bible said that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and he knew it not. What a, what a sad commentary for a Christian to be saved 20, 30 years sitting in church, come to church every time the doors open, but yet the Spirit of God has departed from them and they didn't know it. Sad. And I believe that's where we're getting at in our lives and in our Christian light world today is, is that the Spirit is starting to depart from Christians, from churches, and, and we just don't know it because we're preaching all this feel-good doctrine. There's so many people going to be going to hell and thinking they're right with God and slip off. When your soul slips off into hell, it's too late to cry. The rich man lifted up his eyes, being in hell, he said, Could you just dip your finger and touch it to my tongue? For I'm tormented in this flame. Then he said, Send someone to warn my brothers about this place and he said hey they've got the preachers they got the prophets but they don't hear them there's so many people who don't hear the preaching of the word of god today and they're slipping off into torment of hell so many people don't believe in hell today hell is real It's not, it's not a sentence for a thousand years. It's not a place that you can go to and then later on get out. No, hell's an eternal damnation. The Bible says, Where the worm dieth not, and the flame is tormented day in, day out, day in. Eternity! Hell is the place of God's final judgment. Esau, broke down with tears, ready to repent, ready to say, Lord, forgive me. But he could not find a place, could not find a place. What a sad statement for us that we're ready to repent of our sins and our things, that we cannot find a place to repent, and yet we come to church. Beg people to come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. It's not just because I I want you to come to the altar, but because some of us might have some things in our life that we need God to get over with. I've got things I've had to lay at the altar. I've got things, Lord, you you need to touch me on this because I'm just like this thing. I've been trying to push you away. Don't want you that close anymore. I believe that's why I'm sick. I've had to repent. I need Him in my life. Can I say this? There will be regrets when you open up your eyes in hell. Do you not think Esau regretted selling his birthright? Something that was his and his alone. Nobody could steal it from him. Nobody couldn't do anything. It It was Esau's because he came in hungry he sold it for a bowl of soup do you not think he was regretting that don't you think we ought to start regretting for the loved ones that we have that's slipping off in the and we're not doing anything for them we're not warning them we're not telling them, hey, I mean, you've got, you got to give it to them straight. If you die, you're going to hell. I, I don't want to go to heaven and have the blood on their hands that I did not say something. I did not warn them. I did not tell them that hell is a real place. There will be some regrets in hell. but it could have been avoided for repentance. The prodigal son went out into the world. But when he came to himself, he realized he had it better at the house of his father than in the pig pen. And I love that story. It's not that he had to go all the way up to the door and knock and beg for his forgiveness from his father. His father saw him away off and ran to him. Fell on his neck. Said, hey, bring a robe, bring the ring, put some shoes on for That tells me God is the same way. He's just waiting for you to repent and come to him. He's going to fall on you. With all that going on, then you have the redemption. That's through Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross getting what he deserved. But he looks at Jesus. Remember me when thou come into our kingdom. Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. See, you can repent and you can have redemption. We ought to embrace the mercy and forgiveness that is available through Christ. It's never too late to turn to him. Never too late to run to him. But it's too late if you don't tell somebody. If you don't warn people that there is a hell, it'll be too late. You say, well, I don't feel like I need to tell everybody. You need to tell everyone you come in contact with.